Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bay Presbyterian Church. I'm Patrick Womack, the pastor, and just want to welcome all who are here, especially those of you who have come to be with the family on this occasion. I know that your presence here is very much appreciated by them and a source of comfort for them. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to be here and minister to them in this way. I want to let you know about a couple of things as the, minute, as the, uh, as the service proceeds. Uh, first of all, in the midst of the service, there's going to be an opportunity for people to share personal reminiscences about Fred, about um, anything that you might have that's humorous or serious. So be thinking about that when the time comes. If you would like to share, you will be welcome to. The other thing to mention is that at the conclusion of the service, there will be a meal provided and a reception, just some light fare for you to have as uh, you wrap up your time here and go on into the rest of your day. So please be aware of that and know that you are invited. Most of all, though, welcoming you here. It is our intention, above all things, of course, to worship and glorify the Lord today. But, of course, another purpose is to gather so that we might remember Fred and, in glorifying the Lord together, find comfort and peace and his provision for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, inasmuch as this is a service of worship, let's call ourselves to worship the Lord, the giver of life. As you look in your programs, our responsive reading is from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. I hope everyone got one of these. If not, perhaps a neighbor will be kind enough to let you look on. And let's read the word of God responsibly. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And then looking again to your programs, you should find inserted or somewhere nearby words to hymns that we will be singing. The first of those that we will offer to the Lord is, How Great Thou Art. And you're invited to stand with me if you're able as we sing to the Lord together, How Great Thou Art. Oh, great. 
God his son not sparing sent him to die I scarce can take him that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he fled and died to take Close our eyes in prayer. Dear Father, most gracious Lord, we give you thanks even as we grieve the loss of our dear brother Fred, that you have made a way through your Son, Jesus Christ, through his own death on the cross and resurrection, so that we can be saved from our sins that separate us from you. And because of this, most gracious, and generous God, this gift of being in Christ, we can never be separated from your love. And that when we do die in our earthly bodies, that being ushered into your kingdom, we will be more alive than we ever were being on earth, having been united with you in your presence and being freed of the physical relational, and spiritual hardships that so easily cause us despair. We thank you that Fred, who put his trust in Christ, is with you now, 
free from pain and sin and rejoicing in your presence this day. And we do rejoice with him, even as we may mourn his earthly absence. We make our prayer in the name of the Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I will be sharing with you some scripture verses of hope and comfort. First being Romans 8, 32 through 39. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a, chain, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 15. 
But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. That saved a wretch, a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I plus or minus in the middle of the 19th century, 
a family from England who had settled in the United States and had found fortune in Chicago were uh, ravaged by this Chicago fire and lost everything. And this gentleman sent his family ahead of him back to England where he was going to regroup. And on the journey back, this gentleman's wife and four daughters were in a shipwreck. That ship went down and all four of the girls died. The mother alone remained. And uh, she sent a telegraph across the ocean to her husband and said all is lost. He himself hopped on a ship and uh, crossed to go meet his wife. And when he got to the spot that he believed that ship went down, he wrote the words to this song. And you'll, you'll see that theme through here. Uh, as as uh, we sing together these words, it is well with my soul. Would you please stand with me? Oh, 
We want to give it an opportunity for anybody who, uh, who came across Fred's path and were affected um, in, in some sort of positive way, whether it was humorous or, or touching. We want to give you an opportunity to share some thoughts. So um, and let me just say a few brief thoughts. Uh, it, it, we want to give you that opportunity. So if, uh, does anybody have anything they'd like to share with us here today? Sharon, you want to lead off here? I want to thank you all for this beautiful and meaningful service and the cards and thoughts on behalf of Fred's passing the morning after Thanksgiving. And special thanks to Pastor John and Rachel for visiting in, in Fred, with Fred in skilled care and to Wendy Hayes and her caring and visits for Rachel and her coming and for her outstanding scripture today. Uh, Gordon and Carol always touch my soul with their music and their singing and I just love this church and have not been able to attend much recently. Is Nina here? Hi, Nina. I want to thank you for all the shakes, protein shakes you brought to Fred. <laughs> for Esmeralda and Michelle's visits and Thanksgiving dinner. She's been such a blessing to me for Rajon calling me quite often. For the beautiful flowers today sent by uh, Fred's friend, Lee Butts. Is Greg here? Oh, hi, Greg. Thank you for coming, and thank you for your sweet girlfriend for coming. Fred had accepted Jesus as his Savior years ago. I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Fred was an outstanding father to his two sons, Mark and Michael, his grandsons, Colin and David, his adopted um, granddaughters, Raven and Michelle, he loved his daughter-in-law, Megan, Vicki, and Debbie. Um, he had a beloved brother, Dick, and my brother who died, his beloved friend also. Fred was a hard and faithful worker, retiring three times. <laughs> his favorite job was working for his dearest friend, Lee Butts, and his son, Greg, in Allentown for seven years. He consulted for Gates Butts here in Naples and very fond of John Hayes, who is here today. Where are you, John? He attended Bay Presbyterian and was a charter member while living in Bonita Bay since 1986 and was very happy here. He had his 90th birthday on September 17th in skilled care, got lots of cards, and the nurses spent a lot of time with him. 
his last four months were difficult. He complained little. I wanted to thank him for loving and caring for me for his 63 years. And I thank you for John, my friend John. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. This church has meant so much to me, John. Hi, I'm Mark, uh, Fred and Sharon's oldest son. Michael's going to say a few comments after I'm finished here. But I, I first wanted to say I really miss my dad. Um, I miss his wise counsel, his practical advice, and his enthusiasm for our whole family. I, even though he didn't verbalize it much, we, we know he loved us. Uh, he had different ways of showing it rather than saying it. Uh, Fred was very inquisitive as to what was going on. In fact, he asked so many questions and was so probing every time I talked with him, I found myself having to prepare for his calls <laughs> uh, as he wanted to know everything that was going on in our lives. Personally, he was very supportive as I was growing up in and, and attended to just about every game in uh, sports. And he was extremely helpful, really like another coach, and, as well as a mentor. He encouraged me to pursue engineering from an education standpoint and an MBA, just like him, and I'm glad I did. Maybe some specific stories I can share will give you a little more insight and get to know dad better. Um, over 40 years ago, he was, uh, as he was accepting Christ uh, and Jesus as a Savior, he asked the leader of his Bible study, uh, can I still play golf? <laughs> and Don Williamson said, of course, Fred. And dad said, okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Dad really loved sports and actually became a Golden State Warriors fan, even though, as we lived in the San Francisco area uh, when we moved there. And he would stay up till 1 a.m. to watch the end of West Coast games, um, uh, faithfully watching the Golden State Warriors and rooting for our favorite player, Steph Curry, uh, who unfortunately went to Davidson, um, even though... I went to Virginia Tech, and so does his parents, and bo they both played sports there, but Virginia Tech missed the, missed the uh, ball there, and he, he didn't get recruited by them. Uh, but nothing sh shook his loyalty to the St. Louis Cardinals and to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in football, even though he would gripe about them uh, with specific suggestions on how they could improve their performance. My dad absolutely loved ice cream, and he was somehow able to eat it very fast without getting a headache. I don't know how he did that. Uh, but he got busted by my mom 
who was trying to limit his intake due to some early onset diabetes. Uh, as he drifted on his shirts and pants, uh, so that became very apparent. And then she had spies at the ice cream store who would <laughs> inform her that he was a frequent and one of their best customers. <laughs> In the later years, he went, he, he really threw caution to the wind and he bought many pints of Haagen-Dazs uh, from the grocery stores, and we took advantage of that when we were visiting as well. Um, and he always had a large inventory in the freezer that we could count on. And last night, we went to Royal Scoop to kind of celebrate Dad and had some ice cream in his honor. Um, although he slowed down quite a bit in his later years, uh, at age 86, while attending our son David's uh, graduation from Cal Poly, uh, he actually insisted on joining us at a pub crawl that started at 5 a.m. And I think it really helped because he got a lot of attention from some beautiful co-eds uh, who were, because he was the oldest uh, man there, uh, as you could imagine. He, he was a golfaholic, and he played lots of courses all over the uh, country. Uh, his golf group and the people here at Bonita Bay were really his community uh, in Bonita Springs. Not only was he a player, but he was quite a fan as well. Uh, he was actually legendary for his endurance to be able to sit through four rounds of PGA golf um, every weekend with commercials. <laughs> and without taking a break. So we don't know how he did it, uh, but somehow he pulled that off. Uh, one thing about dad, he couldn't fix a thing in the house, uh, even though he's an engineer. Uh, okay, well, I followed in his footsteps. He was not a handyman, but, and we gave him a hard time about that. Um, well, to summarize, I loved him very much and feel blessed to have had him as a father and especially look forward to reuniting with him, uh, but hopefully not too soon. Okay. Good morning. Uh, I am Michael. I'm the youngest son. And uh, I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk about my father. Um, just a tremendous man, and uh, the last six months or so was a very difficult time, obviously, and my mother spoke about that. Um, Vicki and I came down here probably half a dozen times to spend time with him and, uh, while he was in rehab and through various hospital stays. Um, we had noticed the last couple years he had slowed down, so I, I came up with a moniker for my father that I thought was awesome. We started calling him Fast Freddy because he was very slow, so... Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, to, to just kind of step back and look at my father, I, I was thinking about it the last six months, and um, incredible, when, when you step back and look, uh, he lived to be 90 years old, and I think we all should be so fortunate to live to 90. But if you didn't know, his mother lived till 97, and his older brother, uh, Dick, lived to the age of 95. So um, just an incredible lineage, and I know Mark and I are betting that we will... Um, live up to that legacy of living a long life, but um, we shall see. A lot of things have happened in our personal lives that maybe have uh, truncated that timeline, but we'll see how, how that goes. Um, but 
but just this talk a little bit about my father's formative years. Um, he was born in 1932, and for those of you younger, like uh, the, the grandkids, that was in the middle of the Great Depression. So for those of you that uh, don't know much about history, it was a, an incredible time for the U.S. and a very difficult time across the world. And so I think that really shaped my father in many ways. Um, those uh, that have gr grown up in the Great Depression uh, learn to be resourceful and rely on their family. And, and believe it or not, in spite of those issues, people became very patriotic. Um, my father was fortunate that his father, um, Adam, was a, a veteran of the World War I, and then um, subsequently, after the Great Depression, uh, went into the World War II and served in World War II, and then eventually uh, went into the Army Air Corps. Um, coincidentally, um, it's, it's great to, to announce that my son is here, my oldest son, Colin, who is the fourth generation uh, having served in the Air Force. So I think that's an incredible legacy. Um, so. Yeah, the, the last thing that kind of shaped my father from the formative years is um, he was the youngest of three sons. Um, and, and a lot of people don't know the story, but uh, he had an older brother, Dick. Uh, I think he was born in 1921. And then he had a a middle brother, Bobby, um, unfortunately, Bobby was killed at a, a tragic accident, and, and so I think that really shaped my father. Um, I remember growing up with my grandmother, she always called um, Fred uh, Sonny, and I thought that was really strange, and I think it was a, a byproduct of, uh, you know, the, the pain that she went through losing a child, which is obviously a very difficult uh, um, circumstance for any parent, and, and having been a parent myself, um, I couldn't imagine that loss. And so I think that really shaped my my father and it really um, focused him on family. And I think that was something that he thought about. And um, as he became a parent himself, he uh, really nurtured his family and looked at um, expressing love in his own uh, way. Growing up, uh, we, we lived in both uh, uh, Boxwood Drive in, in De uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and then um, to my father and, and mother's disdain, um, uh, the issue of forced busing came uh, in, in the mid-1970s, and, and thankfully uh, we, we made an exit and went across the line to Pennsylvania, and then we spent uh, another few years there, actually seven years for me, before I enlisted in the Air Force and left for good. Um, from, from a lot of what Mark was saying, he was very supportive of everything I did in school, and sports, um, very, very uh, thankful for that. And despite making a difficult decision to enlist when I was 17, and I, I think my father wasn't thrilled with that decision uh, at all, and I, obviously, Mom, you're agreeing, um, <laughs> it, it ended up working out well, although at the time, my father wasn't so sure. Um, Mark kind of touched on it. My, my dad had four passions in life. Uh, the first one, obviously, we spoke about was golf. Um, everything revolved around figuring out how he could spend time on the golf course uh, growing up. And so um, the second thing that he really loved is um, television, and Mark touched on that too. Um, it, it was, uh, it's amazing that a human being can sit on their butt for 14 to 15 hours. His favorite time of the year was when Masters came because not only did he have golf to watch, he had the Cardinals to watch and the Golden State Warriors. So it was like the trifecta of, of sports addicts. So um, it was a great time for my father. Um, 
And then the, the other thing Mark touched upon and, and everybody knows, legendary when it comes to ice cream. And so when I was about 11 years old, um, believe it or not, I was a little chunky and uh, a little bit overweight. And my father, in, in case you didn't know, uh, was a preeminent fitness and uh, nutrition expert, right? And uh, my mother was very concerned about my weight. And um, my father came up with a brilliant idea. He said, you know what I'm going to do is after work, I'm going to have Michael come out with me, and he's going to caddy for me at Penn Oaks Country Club. And he's going to work off some of that fat. That's exactly what he said. And uh, I, I said, okay, well, you know, it sounds like fun, right? So the first time we went out to do the, the caddying experience with my father, um, you know, I, I was a, a little bit overweight, like I said, and I was carrying this 50-pound huge bag back then. In the mid-'70s, they had these huge golf bags. I was about ready to die. But in reality, I probably burned off 300 calories. So as a reward, my father decided to take me to Dairy Queen. <laughs> And I subsequently had a large chocolate shake. <laughs> and I was thrilled. I thought this was the best plan for me this summer because I'm going to, you know, my dad told me that if I worked really hard on the golf course and had ice cream, this would solve my weight problem. <laughs> so once or twice a week and on days that he wanted to hit the driving range, we hit Dairy Queen. And uh, one thing he told me is, whatever you do, don't tell mother. <laughs> um, so I didn't, as a good son. I, I listened to him. <laughs> By the end of that summer, I had gained 10 pounds. <laughs> so um, one thing my father did not know is a fitness and nutrition. But what he did know, and this is something that Vicki really, and Vicki, I'm so blessed to have her in my life, uh, you know, in spite of going through a lot of challenges in my life, um, when Vicki came into my life uh, probably 12 years ago, um, she had she immediately forged a a great connection with my father, and she started referring to my father when she would talk to him on the phone as the smartest man she knew. And my dad, being the modest person, really loved hearing that. So he gravitated towards Vicky. Um, at first when I heard it, I was like, hmm, is my dad the smartest man I know considering what I just went through, you know, with the ice cream deal? And, um, but what, what it really did was I think it brought focus to me on how I, and I'm not saying I took it for granted, but you, you, you think of your father a certain way. When somebody else looks at your father in an objective manner, they realize the value of that person much more uh, objectively. And it really brought focus to me that in many ways, he was the smartest man I knew. And, and Mark touched on it, the mentorship and the inquisitive nature and probing, always trying to make you think of ways you could better yourself. And, and it never became more true than when I became a father. And again, I went through some challenges. We won't air all that dirty laundry. But um, I have, yeah, you've, you've been through it. But um, having Colin and then Jason, Brandon, and then Vicky, uh, Vicky's daughter, uh, Raven, in my life, 
he became so uh, intertwined with their their lives and and every day um, and it really became more uh, focused once I retired from a very stressful job. Um, we spoke every day. Um, Vicky spoke to him every day. There were times where he would call just to speak with Vicky, not me, you know. And so um, I was great with that because they had a great special um, uh, relationship. But more importantly, um, he was always wanting to know what was going on with Colin, you know, David, I know, um, and then Jason and Brandon. There were many times where I would let them know, let them know that, hey, uh, the boys have a lacrosse game. And I told my father it was at 4.30, and he would call me at 4.30 saying, hey, how did the game go? And I was like, Dad, we just talked. The game's just starting. <laughs> and, and I think Mark can relate to that. He, he, was, he was so um, in, in line with what our, you know, our kids were doing. And as a grandparent, there's nothing more than you'd want from, from a, a, a father so it's to see that love. And, and, and again, he wasn't a man of many words. However, and, and part of that was because my mother spoke all the time. That's, <laughs> he didn't have a whole lot to say. But, um, but part of it was his, his, his personality, right? He was a quiet, confident man. And I think... Uh, in many ways, he did embody what, what Vicky had brought into focus for me. He was the smartest man I knew. I think it was a uh, tremendous honor to have him as a father. And instead of being sad about the occasion, I, I'm trying to look at this at, in the most positive manner in that he, he gave me that strength to get through all of my um, challenges with work and personal life. But more importantly, he left a legacy that I hope someday uh, my children can say similar good things about me. I hope so. Colin, you better. better. <laughs> it's on you. Um, but anyway, uh, he was the smartest man I knew and the smartest person that a lot of us knew. Um, a great man, and he will be sorely missed every day that I don't hear that phone ring and see the caller ID. It's an empty day for me, um, and um, I love my father, and I will miss him tremendously. However, the world, and, and obviously this Benita Bay community that he loved so dearly, he was so thrilled to get a house down here. Um, he could have achieved much more uh, from a financial uh, peace in life, even though he did very well. He was content with where his place was in life, and that was being a great father, uh, husband and grandfather. So um, thrilled to have him in my life, and thank you all for coming, and thank you all uh, that were able to view this uh, ceremony. So thank you. Anybody else? I uh, I would make just a couple of comments. Um, first of all about when Fred first went in the hospital, I went down to see him and he said, I have some nutritional advice for you. <laughs> and I took it. <laughs> so I'm working through that though. Um, second of all, I didn't realize you had four generations of Air Force there. Well, my son, who was a graduate of the Naval Academy and then spent 10 years in the Marines would say, what a terrible waste of talent. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you learn how to draw. <laughs> Is that right? Okay, okay. 
Well, um, I appreciate the family sharing their thoughts. And and I'd say this, that it seems to me that a memorial service such as this one, um, it serves three purposes. Uh, The first purpose uh, of a memorial service like this is that it provides a sense of closure. Now, Fred has been around for 90 years around the house, around our church, around the clubhouse, around the tea box, uh, around work, and around us for 90 years. And now suddenly and sadly, Fred is no longer here. And as a child, I had a friend who told me that his father went to the store one day and never came back. Retrospectively, I think that was his mother's story to him to try to explain a divorce as a young child. Um, But now I think how sad it would be to lose a father and then not only to lose a father, but even worse, to not know whether or not he's coming back. And here we sit, we few, we representative of of uh, Fred's friends and associates and family, assuring one another that yes, indeed, Fred has been irretrievably called to higher ground. My father, um, at my mother's memorial service, slumped down in a sofa that we had sitting right over there. It was very good for naps. And, um, and when that memorial service was over for my mom, my dad slumped down on that sofa next to me. Sharon was there and said to me, except for the occasion, it was a perfect day, which is very profound. Uh, to to my way of thinking, and he was at once buoyed by seeing friends and family, but profoundly sad by the passing of his wife of 57 years. And uh, this memorial service is a stake in the ground that says we have indeed lost Fred, a friend, a father, a husband, a grandfather, and a business associate. Yet we have one another to help us process our loss. The second thing a memorial service does is to extol a life well-lived. And we've heard from the family about Fred and and what he's meant to the family. I have a few memories of Fred. He was an occasional golf partner. Uh, I wasn't in Fred's league, but we still got out several times. Uh, He loved golf, and he loved golfers. Uh, My recollection is that he followed Ricky Fowler for a while. Isn't that right? which was, um, it's sort of a counterintuitive uh, that he would follow Ricky Fowler because Ricky Fowler is a delightful but quirky person. And uh, at least for a while, Fred enjoyed his antics. And maybe that's why he tolerated me on the golf course because after all, I'm a quirky golfer. Fred also got out on the golf course with my dad. And um, and I, I just, you know, I didn't even stop and think about this, but but uh, my dad died on Thanksgiving Day of 2007, and Fred the day after Thanksgiving, and that was the only time my father ever beat Fred uh, because my dad lost every time they played golf together. Uh, as a matter of fact, one day Sharon was playing the piano for us, and she asked anybody if they had anything to share. And my dad stood up and said, your husband beat me at golf. I don't know why he had to go public with that. (laughs) Maybe it was to satisfy a bet they had made. I'm not sure. 
But in, Fred, in fact, Fred loved all sports. He used to come over to our 6.30 a.m. men's group. I see my other uh, St. Louis Cardinals fan over here um, to talk with baseball with the guys. And he should have been a Phillies fan, Philadelphia Phillies fan. After all, he was a longtime Allentonian. But my recollection was that he followed the Cardinals. Um, and my last conversation with Fred was that he wanted a big screen TV mounted on the wall in the room at the rehab facility, and he wanted it surrounded by bulletin boards and sports memorabilia, signed baseballs, baseball cards, uh, golfers, and um, pictures, articles from Sports Illustrated, all things sports. Fred was all in. And he always had a kind word. He came to church whenever it was possible, and due to Sharon's infirmities, he would come even by himself uh, over the last couple of years. And he had a solid but quiet faith. Um, he attended our men's Bible study and was always an encouragement to me. And uh, we always had things to talk about with one another. And I can remember once meeting Fred for lunch uh, at the club. And I was unaware of the dreaded no denim rule, which I was at the moment violating. And the maitre d' was kind and understanding. He went in the back and came back with a pair of tuxedo pants. <laughs> Did he tell you that? No. Okay. He came back with a pair of tuxedo which didn't quite circumnavigate my impressive girth. <laughs> and he did me, the, Fred did me the favor of not mentioning the obvious, and, and we both left that day with a new secret. <laughs> friend was a good friend, and I will miss him. Uh, the third thing that a memorial service does is to remind us of our blessed hope. And on October 25th of 1999, a private jet flew 2,400 miles on automatic pilot before it corkscrewed into a field in South Dakota at a speed approaching the speed of sound. Uh, two F-16s were shadowing the doomed flight and broke off their chase as the plane exploded on an impact. The cabin had depressurized and all on board had died hours before the crash. And among those on board was the professional golfer named Payne Stewart. Uh, at that time, Stewart was the third all-time money winner on the PGA Tour in history. Aside from endorsements, he was ranked third in the world, uh, and having been in the top 10 for 250 weeks. In more than one occasion, Fred referenced Payne Stewart. And painted above the door of the gym where pain worked out was the following quote. We must care for our bodies as though we are going to live forever, but we must care for our soul as if we're going to die tomorrow. Recovered from that plane, uh, that wreck site, were uh, several devotional books, several Bibles, and a book by Herman Bavink called The Doctrine of God, which was one of my required reading in seminary in a book on spiritual disciplines, Payne Stewart cared for his soul like he was going to die tomorrow. And as it turned out, he did at age 42. I know that Fred respected Payne Stewart, not only as a professional golfer, but he respected him for his faith as well. Payne Stewart believed what resonated with Fred and what we teach here every week. And that is this, that from the, the, or from the epistle of John, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. 
He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. This Bible verse speaks to Fred's hope, our only hope. And if Fred were standing right here uh, and he could come back, I know for a fact that he would want me to tell you this, that when John used that word eternal life, he was speaking of heaven. Fred's hope, and when the Bible uses that word hope, it really means expectation. Fred's expectation is that when he drew his last breath on this earth, he would then wake up in heaven. He didn't believe that because he was entitled to it or he felt like in some fashion he had earned it or deserved it. He believed it because that was a gift that was given to him. Let me explain that. I just read a Bible passage uh, where there are three key concepts in that passage, all of which have to do with Fred's convictions and what the basis of our hope is. The first concept is the concept of having the Son. He who has the Son has eternal life. The Apostle John, who is possibly Jesus' best friend, said... He who has the Son. Having the Son, which is a curious phrase, what does that mean? And he explains it later when he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Believe is a synonym for having the Son. And the Bible consistently points out that that belief is the key. In fact, the only factor in our hope for heaven. Tim Tebow put the following Bible reference under his eye before a a national championship game. It was John 3, 16. That night, 90 million people Googled John 3, 16. And this is what John 3, 16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Heaven. And what's the key? belief. And what does this belief entail? Well, elsewhere in the Bible, it it kind of unfolds this idea. Um, In 1 Corinthians, the apostle says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that's the central component, says the scriptures, that Jesus, who was God in the flesh, took upon himself the guilt of my sin, the guilt of Fred's sin, and then took the penalty that those sins deserved. God turned his back on his own son, Jesus, and let him die in more ways than one so that we might have eternal life. And I know what Fred believed, but I'd ask you this morning, what is it that you believe about Jesus? He is, in fact, our only hope for heaven, eternal life, and for life in this world. All are synonyms used in this passage And this was Fred's hope and expectation. The second concept in this passage, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. Fred was confident of heaven. And uh, you can know you have eternal life. You can know that you're going to heaven. And the basis of that knowledge is what you believe. What you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus, and what you believe about the Bible. 
And if you have put your faith and trust for the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus Christ, then you have the Son, and consequently you have eternal life. God promised it in his book. And what is the bottom line of that good book? That God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. That is the message that Fred got before he accepted Jesus as his Savior. Fred was by no means perfect. There's enough family here to put that notion at rest. But he was forgiven of his sins against God because of his faith in Jesus. So when Fred passed from this world in Bonita Springs to the next world, he was welcomed by God where he heard, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your salvation. Now, I can't honestly tell you what heaven will look like. The Bible is a little vague on that matter, and I think vague with intent. Uh, I believe that, um, that if we knew exactly how great heaven was, there would be a rush to check out early. So the Bible is a little bit vague, but I do believe that we know enough about heaven to know that it will be, as Milton said, paradise. No more pain, every tear wiped away, as Rachel read earlier, everlasting joy. And it's no wonder Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think there are people all over the world who are tired and need rest for their souls. Fred was a tired at the end. He fought right up until then, but ultimately he wanted rest. And indeed, Fred is resting. But the back nine is around the corner and Fred can breathe deeply and move without pain because Fred's now in heaven. And his hope and his expectation is realized. If you have never laid hold of that rest, if you don't know if you'll be in heaven, you can solve those two questions right now. And that is simply by believing in Jesus, asking him for forgiveness of your sins and thanking him for his death that he took the rap for you. And so with that, we now commit Fred's remains to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes and dust to dust in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection from the dead. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, we are going to conclude our, our service here together with one more song. Um, we kind of hammered these out with Sharon, and we tried to pick out scripture passages and, and songs today that were uh, beloved by Sharon and Fred uh, together. And this uh, final song that we're going to sing together, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Will you stand with me as we sing?
In a moment, I'm going to pronounce a benediction, and then I would like to have us read together Psalm 23 as a concluding statement, and um, some of you may have memorized this when you were children, and if so, just, just uh, recite it from memory. For the rest of us, we'll be using this, uh, what's written in your program, and uh, then we'll be dismissed for our reception and some hors d'oeuvres that the ladies have prepared for us. So thank the ladies and... Now, would you receive God's benediction? May grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all, both now and forevermore. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen, and you are dismissed. The uh, table and food is uh, to your left in the back.